Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development discussion series featuring candid conversations with business leaders and innovators across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts on how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and talented workforces in the nation. And now, your host, Ed Clemente. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ed Clemente, and we're very fortunate today to have Mark Kramer. He's a professional engineer, PE, he's got that on his title, as well as the chair and CEO of SME, and welcome to the show, Mark. Ed, uh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I, I think, you know, I've worked a lot with engineering firms in the past, but you're much more than just an engineering firm because you do so many other things. Why don't you sort of uh, explain and uh, what you guys do because it's such a broad band, you know, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I guess try to try to simplify it because we do do a lot of things. But usually when people ask, I share that uh, we're material experts um, in a lot of different areas related to construction, development and infrastructure. Uh, so we have uh, over 400 people uh, with varying specialties, uh, but really focused on the ground underneath us, you know, how to build things uh, in the ground and dealing with soils and groundwater uh, with the environment around us and the materials that go into uh, all forms of construction. So concrete, asphalt, steel, masonry, roofing, um, building enclosures, surveying. So we, but we have experts in all these areas and we partner with owners and um, their design teams to help make their projects successful, make them better. And uh, with 400 roughly employees, depending on seasonal, I'm sure some of it during construction yes. season. Um, what, where are you guys based? I know you're Where's your home office? And then I know you have a couple other offices too. Well. Yeah, so we're we're in the Great Lakes region, but, you know, uh, founded in Detroit. Um, our headquarters are in Plymouth, Michigan. Uh, we've got uh, 14 offices in the region. And most of the larger cities um, in Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. Uh, so we've got office, three offices in the metro Detroit area. We've got our headquarters in Plymouth. We have an office down uh, in the city in Detroit. Uh, we've got an office over in Macomb Township. And then we've got uh, offices up in uh, uh, Bay City area, Traverse City, Grand Rapids, Lansing, Kalamazoo. Um, and we've got offices in Fort Wayne, um, Indianapolis, uh, the greater Louisville area uh, in, in New Albany, just across the river. And then we've got, uh, offices in, uh, Columbus and Cleveland as well. Is across the river, is that like in a different state? Then? Yeah. So New Albany is actually in Indiana, but it's in the, it's in the Louisville, oh, it's in okay. the Louisville metro area. Right, right. No, it's a huge area, the Louisville area. I know. Yeah. So with all these, <laughs> just to be, I didn't, was going to prepare you for this question, but I'll give it to you anyway. Um, but all those unique specialties, I mean, obviously the one I think that's probably the growing is probably sustainability things. I mean, 
I would guess. So what like sort of unique things have you been having to adapt to that maybe a few years ago you guys weren't even thinking about? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. And we talk about that a lot. When I was in school back in the 80s, um, I, I, I'm a civil engineer by training, focused on geotechnical engineering, but I took a lot of environmental classes. And even back in the late 80s, we were talking about sustainability and everybody has caught on to it now. But in the civil engineering world, we've been recycling materials and doing all kinds of things for many, many years. Um, and so we see a lot and it's nice to see when the, the owners and, and, and the communities and, and that um, are excited about that. Cause we've been sort of looking at that for many, many years and, you know, whether it's trying to reuse materials, like we do some real interesting thing with full depth reclamation, on asphalt pavements where in the past you used to tear out all the pavement and take that to a landfill and bring in all new pavement uh, with many smaller communities. We help them recycle those pavements in place and then they just bring in a new layer of asphalt and it's much less expensive and you don't have to have all the trucks, truck traffic coming in. So all that fuel and, you know, all the, all the impact to the roads around that area. Uh, so there's all kinds of things like that. Um, a lot of, you know, concrete from demolition um, used to go into landfills. Almost all of it is reused now uh, in the form of, you know, stabilizing the, the sites, um, filling in the undercuts where you have poor soils. We'll use crushed concrete, things like that. So there's a lot of things that we do that people really never see unless you're out on construction sites. Yeah, I think I had a friend once who drove one of those big, massive vehicles, the one that chews up the asphalt and then kicks it back out uh, on the, the backside. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know what it was called, but all I know is like, I just went out to a site once and I was just so amazed by how, you know, that's such a huge amount of recycling, especially because, you know, it's actually a petroleum based, you know, industry asphalt. So how much good we can use it over again. Yeah, so the, the, and the whole industry has been doing this for years. And again, people don't see it. Um, you know, at first it wasn't as economical, but now it's economical because the cost of oil, the cost of new aggregates, um, the cost of transportation has gone up. So, you know, the, all, all that recycling um, is, you know, it's both good for the environment, but also makes economic sense as well. Yeah. And um, also you, you sort of touched on, but is there beyond sustainability, is there other unique sort of fields that have been popping up that you never would have thought about like 10 years ago? Yeah, There's so much, there's so much going on right now, um, you know, with building enclosures and, you know, how do you, how do you uh, improve the insulation value and the air transfer across? Um, you look at just the whole EV market and, you know, we're doing a lot of work with um, uh, charging stations. You know, people are redoing their parking lots and putting in um, uh, the system. EV chargers. EV chargers. And, and that, it seems very easy, right? But you how, does, the, does the building have enough power, right? So you got to get electrical engineers and you got to get other people involved in looking at that. And so we've got a lot of clients, including like Ford, who um, is up, dating their parking lots and wanting to put chargers in to support their vehicles. And, and they have to look at the infrastructure that they have, like we all are going to have to with all these chargers. There's a lot of infrastructure work that has to be done to provide the charging network for uh, electric vehicles. 
We, we had a guest on a while back now, but um, he was like an e- expert, and I don't know if you know this term, edge computing. Uh, so what it is basically is how they're trying to create more data centers along the sides of roads to collect data so that like it's computers basically. So you don't have to put as much computers into the vehicle. They're just more like uploading. Maybe you got a better term. Yeah, for I, it, but that's I'm not as familiar with that. We, I've got a good friend at a local civil engineering firm that does a lot with mobility and I think that's what you're talking about is that they're, yes, they're, yes, yes. they're using telemetry to, to rather than having the car, the, all the data in the computer, there's data on the road and it's sharing data with traffic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine a lot of that's got to be challenging too, because once again, you have to have power unless it's solar or something. And even then the solar panels yeah, you, don't last forever. Yeah. You can see MDOT and others along the roads are putting in, whether it's cameras or information feedback and yeah they they've got to run power to those uh to those the infrastructure to the poles uh and then the data lines back and forth unless they're doing wi-fi and um people probably don't notice it but there's actually a lot of it out along the roadway system right now you're listening to the michigan opportunity featuring candid conversations with michigan business leaders and innovators on what makes michigan a leading state to live work and play Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast or download the Michigan Opportunity through your preferred podcast platform. What would the average person be surprised or what would be some of your bigger projects that people might have thought about? You know, if we drove by something, you know, like, oh, yeah, we worked (laughs) on that. You know, that's interesting, right? I was thinking about that and. We touch so many projects because we're a small piece of every project. And when I when I look at it, we do like five thousand projects a year, and we are one um, percent of every project. And if you look at our revenue, it means we probably touch seven to ten billion dollars in construction a year. And so, you know, back early on in our career, we worked on the Renaissance Center when they originally did. That. And oh, we've yeah. done many of the high rises in downtown. Um, at least the ones in the last 20, 30 years. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the redevelopment of the Pontiac Silverdome um, into an oh. Amazon um, facility. Fulfillment. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The Hudson's Tower going up downtown. We worked, I've worked on that project and our teams worked on that project multiple times. We were there when they imploded the building originally and helped the city put a parking uh, facility um, an underground parking facility there. And then we worked when um, uh, Gilbert, Gilbert came in and, and, yeah. and we've been working on that project as they've constructed the tower, you know, doing construction testing and foundation engineering. Um, we've worked on um, the S-curve project in downtown Grand Rapids. Uh, oh, yeah. That, I don't, so we're, I know I'm in Detroit, but people have no idea what a pain that yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting road right through the middle of town with a big curve in it. And it has some really unique geological conditions in the river there uh, that MDOT had to deal with during that project. Um, so we've worked on projects all over. And that's the, the fun of what we do. We get to drive around all day and point at all the different things that we've worked on or had a, had a, had a hand in. But we don't, we're not the designer, we're not the contractor, so we didn't have a major piece, but we got to say we, we were part of the team. And speaking of the team, um, 
like who are maybe some of your do you have any partners or stakeholders yeah. sometimes you want to we 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 are very fortunate that we get to work with so many um owners and large construction managers like you know Bart Mallow and Wallbridge and Clark Construction and Chrisman and Auk and people like that and we work with the automotive companies and the tier ones so we do work for GM and Ford and and many others we we get to work for the universities University of Michigan Michigan State Western Michigan you know the list just keeps going on many of the large hospital systems and then we work with all a lot of the architects and engineers um, in town that that support them as well. So we, on any given day, we're working with a lot of different clients uh, on a lot of different roles, depending on what that team needs in their project. And I would imagine, depending on the project, say like the Hudson site one, like that's a long ramp up, you know, just like they're trying to do the Gordy Howbridge. They've worked on it for like almost eight or nine years before Anything, you know, people always complain because they're not seeing movement, but you need to do it right, you know, with pylons and things like that. You just can't just put up a building. Yeah, those those projects have been going on for years. We're we're working for the contractor out at the Gordy Howe Bridge on certain parts of the contract. And um, that work will continue for a couple more years. And the, the original geotechnical engineer, NTH Consultants, they, I think they started on that five, six plus years ago. Um, looking at that. So some of these projects go on for a long, long time. And I would imagine too, that you have to have staff that sort of, so you mentioned architecture firms, for example, um, but like you have to have people who have architectural experience on your staff so they can talk to each other to make sure, because either you're bringing in a best practices idea to tell them for something maybe they want to do that might have some challenges. So you can have that discussion, I guess. Yeah, we we have people with a lot of different experiences, and again, we where we have areas of specialty, um, we do have architects on staff, and they do work with architecture design firms to help them with very specific issues. Like the t- team we have really focuses on building enclosure and how to construct all the various things that have to go together to make sure the, the building stays watertight. And that's a unique specialty with a few people that we have. And so we help contractors and architects that are doing the project to, you know, review their things or help them with specific details and that kind of thing. So you might even come in as like a consultant just for one unique niche that you have expertise on your staff for. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's a a very specific ask and a very specific thing. There's many times on some bigger projects where we bring all our services or many of our services together. Um, You know, the Marshall site um, we're working on a a bunch of different, doing a bunch of different things out there. Um, Jimmy John's, you know, the stadium over in Utica, we were able to do, you know help with the design and help with the foundations and with the environmental conditions and really help um, Andy Appleby and that community create, you know, a gem, Um, you know, using a a piece of property that, you know, had sat there for a long time and couldn't be developed because there was a landfill on the property. Yeah. Yeah. And when that gets back to the sustainability thing and, you know, what, how much can a property be like uh, decontaminated or whatever? And that, 
that ended like Jimmy John stadium that ended up, we, we won awards for that. And that ended up being a perfect use for that piece of property because, you know, um, it, we're able to cover cover everything over with the fields and it's open air. And so you dealt with a lot of the challenges and issues of the site to make a, and it's a perfect location. Right? I mean, you couldn't have, you couldn't have picked a better place for, for a ballpark. Um, I, we're getting, I'm going to get a few more. I mean, once again, our guest is Mark Kramer today. He, uh, he said he works with SME. He's the head of it. So welcome to the show again, Mark. But one other question too, I wanted to ask you, do you guys do anything like international? Obviously the Gordie Howe Bridge is somewhat international, but have you got any clients that, that cause of your expertise that you might have? Yeah. Usually local clients, um, Ford, um, GM and, you know, some others who, we're, we're down in Mexico a fair amount in Canada. Um, we, in the past, we've done work for um, some private developers and people like GE Energy Systems. We did work over in Mongolia and we did work in the Middle East. And we did oh, work. wow. And that for very, but again, for very specific um, talents that we had that they couldn't hire locally, that it was easier to, for us to travel with our equipment and do the evaluations that we needed to do. So the next question, you probably have already touched on this a couple of times, but is there any future trends you see for your industry? Because I know, for example, when we were talking about sustainability, that's like the biggest demand there is right now for, to have staff that understand, you know, how to do that transition with sustainable stuff and the demand of the general public or government and all that stuff. Yeah, there's a few really big, interesting trends that are both challenges and opportunities. Um, the need for infrastructure is is significant. You know, we there there's more and more people coming to the region, um, and the infrastructure is aging, so we have to replace and upgrade things. Um, we're seeing a lot of reshoring of manufacturing and and things like that. So we're seeing a lot of large projects. You know, things that went offshore 10, 20, 30 years ago are coming back. Uh, due to supply chain issues. So there's a lot of work going on right now and a lot of need for construction um, and and infrastructure and engineers and architects. Um, at the same time, um, we're having a brain drain um, in the sense that the baby boomers are retiring. And so in a lot of companies, we're seeing a lot of retirement, which is um, creating challenges in terms of both for ourselves and the owners and the contractors in having the talent and the people needed to do these um, really large, complicated projects. Um, and then, you know, there's less and less people going into STEM, going into the universities. So there's a huge opportunity for people to come into our industry and help. There's a, the demand is significant and the supply is less. Um, at the same time, you have technology, right? You have AI and digitization, and and there's a huge uh, drive within the construction industry over the last four or five years, even before that, but really figuring out how do we make construction more productive? How do we bring technology to a, um, a fairly non-technology-based industry, right? Um, so when you put those three together, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, but there's also a lot of challenges. And, you know, when you lose a lot of experience, you create a lot of risk in projects 
because having a lot of good qualified people with experience makes the projects go easier. Um, so it requires more, you know, more training, more development, more oversight um, to make things work. Yeah, that's sort of unusual. I didn't think about it that way as more stuff is coming back and more projects. And then we're having less people who probably fit the mold for what you need for these new projects. It's a big challenge. The the trades are having the same you know challenge trying to get people into you know great jobs, well paying jobs, but they're having trouble attracting people. Um, you know, our we look at what we do, and and I we, we have so much fun at what we do because all we do all day long is help build things that help people. Right, we build the roads, we help put in water lines and sewer lines, we help. Um, you know, build the buildings that people are in or the, you know, the houses that they're in or, you know, the warehouses to get your Christmas gifts, right? I mean, all kinds of stuff. And that is, you know, it's necessary and needed, but um, it's a challenge right now. All right. Your last two questions. What advice would you give your 17-year-old self? Because you kind of grew up in the business, though, I would guess somewhat or no. Or did yeah, you go... I yeah, but yeah, I I grew up. Um, you know, my father didn't start our company, but my father was sent here from Chicago to open the office, and then he eventually took the company over. Um, he had a falling out with the original uh, founders, and so I grew up in the business. I took over back in two thousand one when he was diagnosed with a early form of dementia. So I've been around a long time. Um, so the advice that I would give myself and I try to give that to our team and anybody that will listen to me, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, engineers and what we do is so important, but we tend, you know, the stereotype, right, is we're shy, quiet people, we're thinkers, right, um, is um, we have a, we need to work on our communication skills and our confidence, right? We usually... Like we know the right answers and that, but we don't necessarily have the confidence to speak up and, and engage and get involved. We tend to sit back. Um, so learning how you can be the best engineer in the world, um, but if you can't communicate and get your ideas across, you won't you won't get things done. And so I wish like I've learned so much now over the last 20, 30 years that I could go back and tell myself, hey, have more confidence in yourself really focus on your communications and your message so that you can get a lot more of what you think is appropriate or what you think should get done along the way. And I, I think it, like I learned through the school of hard knocks, right. Being a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations, but my life would have been so much easier if I would have just believed more in myself and just had that ability to communicate my ideas. Yeah, yeah, I think you could say that for a lot of fields, actually. Yeah, too. It, it's it's yeah, it's sort of it's generic, but I think it's really important uh, to be able to get things done. Yeah, no, it's good. So the last question for you uh, is that uh, you've lived in Michigan now a long time, your whole life, it looks like. Um, what, what's your favorite part of the state, or what do you like doing best with your family or with uh, like a, I, concerts? I, I, I don't know. I lived here almost all my life. We actually, I went away to school in Arizona and lived in North Carolina for a while and Washington, D.C. for a while, and then came back when we had kids. Um, I think there's so many great places and things to do, you know, golf and skiing up north. And I 
I think right now my favorite thing to do is, um, you know, the pontoon boat out on the lake on a, on a nice Saturday afternoon in the summer, um, with friends, you know, I think that's pretty special and there's so many places to do that. Right. Yeah, no, I think we, we have more lakes than Minnesota, just so people know. They, they say they're the land of lakes, but we have more than them, I believe. Um, well, anyway, once again, I want to thank uh, Mark Kramer. He is the chair and CEO of SME. And Mark, I know you're a busy guy. We appreciate you taking time to do this and sharing your insights with us. And great to have you on. And thanks so much for having me. And I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share my thoughts with you. Join us next week where our guest will be Dan Wyant. He is the chairman and president at the Edward Lowe Foundation and Rodney Parkinen. He's a small business consultant here at the MEDC and how they are assisting small businesses here in the state. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Whether you're looking for small business resources, exploring an expansion or relocation, or seeking a world-class workforce, visit michiganbusiness.org to learn how you can make it in Michigan.